Welcome to the Workplace Happiness Podcast, brought to you by me, Mark Price, and my platform, Engaging Works, designed to help you be happier at work. Having been the boss of Waitrose for many years and working within the John Lewis Partnership, I became interested in the way that we work, how being happy at work can not only transform an individual's life, but how it can also transform an organisation. So my mission is to get the world a little bit happier at work. In doing so, I've created a happiness survey, which measures and then compares to others how happy you are at work. It's free to take, and you can find out about it at engaging.works. In the Workplace Happiness podcast, I'll be speaking to people from all walks of life about how they work and their happiness at work. From people who've had career changes to entrepreneurs who forge their own career paths. It's all about happiness and how we recognise this happiness at work and all get a little bit happier. Hello and welcome to the Workplace Happiness Podcast. I'm Mark Price, founder of Engaging Works, and today I'm talking to Jennifer and Jen, the founders of Stitch and Story, which is reviving knitting and crochet. We'll be delving into their journey and finding out how they founded the company, as well as hearing about their business and how it's changed over the course of the last eight weeks of lockdown. Good morning, Jennifer and Jen. Good morning. Morning. Now, um, you have to tell us, you started Stitch and Story in 2013. A lot of people might say that knitting and crocheting uh, isn't particularly fashionable. It might be considered something that people did... uh, decades ago. So tell us about the story. Tell us all about Stitch and Story and tell us how you started the business. What was your in, the inspiration? So Stitch and Story started seven years ago and it really came from when I was um, out of uni and I was working as a normal day job in publishing and what I really found lacking in my own personal life and also in my work was creativity um, so with me I felt like um, being a millennial I was constantly and I still am on my screens and even at home I'm on my phone and laptop and so I just really needed something that I could do with my hands and so that's where I discovered knitting and but at but at the time, so seven years ago, um, it was really hard to pick it up. Um, and, Jen- and Jennifer, can I just ask, you say you discovered knitting. How did you discover knitting? Did your parents knit, your grandparents knit? or? No, so not at all. Um, it just came to me as an idea. So um, this is where Jen came in. because um, So she had knitted um, for me a scarf, um, went back in school, and I still had it at the time. And it just sparked an interest. I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to pick up knitting? Um, so it just something occurred to me that I really wanted to give this craft a go. Um, and so, and so, I, so I just did some research and I realized that um, it was quite difficult at the time to to pick up knitting as a hobby. So this was meant like I had to pour over so many textbooks and self-help books. And um, then there was all the knitting jargon and all of that. Um, It made 
actually my own knitting journey quite stressful, quite opposite to what I was hoping to achieve with the therapeutic side. Um, but then, but Jen, um, so we've been friends since school and uh, she had already learned to knit. So she had, um, we would meet up for coffees um, after work and uh, we would do a knit along together um, and have coffee. And then it just came to, um, it sort of sparked the idea of Stitch and Story where we've realized how empowering and it was just the creativity side you can't buy that I mean it beats anything from when you're gifting a present even when you've had that hand knitted to make it for somebody it far beats buying something off the shelf and so we we wanted to be like oh this is a great eureka moment because at that time a lot of millennials were still associating knitting to be old fashioned. And we wanted to sort of change that and really sort of empower others to learn crafting in the most simple way. Um, and that's, um, that's, that's how the idea sparked. Okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and for any of our listeners, if you hear any gurgling through this, it's because Jennifer is doing uh, this interview with her beautiful seven month old uh, baby daughter, who's being incredibly good. So, so turning to you then, Jen, obviously you were a knitter, um, you know, you were knitting scarves for people when you were at school. Where, where did you learn to knit? Were you taught by your, your family? So I was actually taught back in school and it was a extra curriculum at the time. And so it wasn't really um, known to be taught knitting in school. And it wasn't that popular amongst my um classmates as well so and then but I got the hook uh, I got actually quite addicted to it and I started actually knitting scarves for my friends and started selling scarves gifting uh, gifting scarves to friends as well and one of them was as Jennifer mentioned was one of her, her scarves as well for her 16th birthday actually and and so I was actually just learning basic projects and by the time I um, uh, started to do kind of knitting sessions with Jennifer at the after, after school, after work as well, it was becoming quite a known factor that we were we were onto something as well. And I think particularly what sparked for me was the fact that we could actually teach other people this skill set because a lot of people were quite intrigued about it, but they just did not know what to do with the yarns and the needles, and they just got so confused. And so we took quite a lot of um, joy at actually teaching people and actually starting out workshops. And one of the workshops that we did was in the back of a canteen in um, Stratford. And, you know, because we were trying to find free, free spaces um, and making sure that we did what we wanted to do. And yeah, we, it was just amazing to see that actually fester and grow into something um, bigger than, than we wanted at the start. So, so at what point did you both think, oh, there's a business here, we can make money out of this? So as Jen mentioned, we was holding um, on the weekends um, knitting workshops um, on both Saturdays and Sundays. And we realised that within a few weeks, we were fully subscribed. We were taking on around 30 students um, every week, every day um, on the weekends. And so we realised that well, one, it was going to kill us because we would have no life <laughs> from our day job and then teaching on the weekend. We thought, okay, we've got something here. Um, people are resonating with our message that crafting has the wellness, be has the well-being side to it. And people genuinely wanted to learn to knit. And so we thought, 
how do we reach more people? This isn't a viable business, the workshops, if we've got a day job. And that's when we came up with the idea of knitting kits, um, because essentially what we wanted to do is one, capture the new generation who are digitally savvy. And so that meant that we introduced video tutorials and patterns that were super easy to learn. Um, and we teamed it up with um, beautiful uh, kits that have a modern pack um, patterns. And so that was sort of the moment where we realized this is where we can go. This is where we can sort of um, teach the masses, as you were, um, how to knit. And that's when we um, decided to open up Stitch and Story. And, where, and our vision is to have, to be, make crafting simple, but also it will be the destination for all crafters to go to, uh, to learn a new craft. And were you both agreed? Did, did, did one of you say, oh, no, I'll stick with my job, and the other one say, no, 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 we need to do this? Or were you both on the same page? I'm, I remember this phone call that Jennifer gave me, um, and she called me up and she said, Jen, I have this business idea, and I want you to join. And I remember just in my living room, just thinking, yeah, okay, this sounds good. And <laughs> it was, I think, to be honest, that moment was where we both sparked together. And um, it wasn't a case of, oh, no, we never had that doubt. We just, we're just both so go-getters, so positive, so ambitious as well, that it just, it just happened right there and then. And what job were you doing then, Jen? Um, I was I was actually in university um, when I got that phone call. And so... Um, for the first year of Stitch and Story, I was actually doing um, my uni work as well as starting up my business. And then afterwards, I went into uh, UX design. So I was in the trade for about three years, but still doing Stitch and Story at the same time. So, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was about juggling the both, actually. So like many people, you set up a, 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 from a, something you loved, you set up a side hustle. So you ran it alongside doing your day jobs. And, and that must have been challenging busy because you were going great guns as you were saying you're doing workshops at weekends so mm -hmm. how how did you juggle your time yeah i mean i it's, it was certainly hard um at the beginning because but it, it felt like the moment we agreed to to start stitch and story there was literally no going back because we were on this uh, trajectory and <laughs> we had opportunities come our way constantly I mean in the first year um, we had a great opportunity to hold a pop-up store in the heart of Piccadilly Circus in London and that was pretty much rent-free um, and that was during sort of the the recession where a lot of retail stores were closing up and the government wanted to put small um, businesses into uh, into retail and to utilize those um, and empty shop spaces and so that was really our test in terms of Stitch and Story and testing our knitting kits and since then um, our sales have just grown massively and other than that we've had great features and collaboration so to answer your question how do we juggle it <laughs> I think most business Founders will probably say the same that it's it's hard, but then it becomes the norm if that makes sense because you live and breathe it. That it's not it's not the same as working as an employee. Um, you it is so precious to you that you you have joy from from making something. I suppose it's our first baby, actually, if you, if you call it that. 
And, and so at what point along the track did you say, this is it, this is it full time now? You know what, we had this goal from the start. And I think because we had laid that foundation of both Jennifer and I knew that we wanted to aim for full time. We actually, uh, we were quite clever in the sense of we didn't want to do a very risky um, change where both of us went full time. And so we actually did it stage by stage. So Jennifer took that leap of faith first and went full time in our um, first or second year. I think it was the first year. Second year, isn't it? And so she she quit her job and went full time. And then so she took that kind of the unknown first. And then for me, I joined um, a year later, wasn't it? I think. Um, mm. And so it helped in terms of the business, making sure that it wasn't too much stress on there. And but yeah, because we had that thought process from the start, it was um, we stuck to that goal. And you know, it's it's been amazing for us. And and you talked about starting with workshops and then going into kits so how how did you develop kits but you can't have done that in your kitchen or on your kitchen table well we did actually <laughs> we did all packing from our kitchen um and so it really was a, a classic kitchen table startup um success story um so how we came about was um i think that so um, Jen and I come from very different backgrounds and I think that's what made the kit quite successful as it is because um, coming from publishing and a business degree myself, I was able to, um, to sort of look at the sourcing, the manufacturing, the costs, as well as the content side in terms of how the instructions would look and how they would be portrayed to a beginner knitter. And then Jen herself comes from a design background. So then she was able to mark up these beautiful kits and really own it in terms of the e-commerce, the, the designs, the social engagement on social media. It just felt like it was a perfect pair. And what would you say then was your big break? When did you think this is going to be fantastic? Ooh. <laughs> every, you know what, every moment that we've had, every milestone that we've hit has, has had that feeling. And I don't think we could, you can pinpoint exactly where, because each year we set out goals, we do retrospects of what happened last year, and it just keeps getting better and better. And so there's never been that you point moment because we're still kind of um, improving, reaching our goals. There's still so much to do. That it's just it's just every day has that feeling. Jen is absolutely correct. I mean, we set ourselves goals, and then the goalpost moves further and further. So I think I I was I still remember when we set up Stitch and Story, we were dreaming, and we were like, wouldn't it be amazing if we got into John Lewis or Liberties? And it happened in our first year. <laughs> and we're like, right, okay, well, that's it. Uh, we can pack up and go now. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, and then so we thought, oh, there was, there was just like our dream became bigger and bigger as we saw the progression and the success of our channels uh, and the sales revenue as well. So, I mean, certainly being in the, in the high street retail stores was definitely a highlight. But then so was 
um, in recent years exporting. So we, we uh, entered into the US market quite successfully. And again, we captured some big retailers like Anthropology, um, Nordstrom, and then uh, that goalpost moved very significantly to expanding our team. Uh, so now we're a team of 11. Um, and only just last year, we, uh, we took on our first investment uh, with a venture capitalist. So I, f I, so I feel there are certainly really big moments in each year that we <laughs> go through and they just seem to get bigger and bigger each year so um the fact that from the start that we wanted to serve the u.s market as well because we knew that there was such a big interest on that side um we baked that in into our original business plan and um having to set up actually a u.s dedicated website um to actually fulfill that side is actually phenomenal because now we have UK and US happening at the same time and so you can just see that there's now a global um, explosion of crafts as well and so again our mission is just still still out there it's not just within the UK it's also to the US as well and eventually um, on the European side and Asian side as well so it's just non-stop. And during this Covid lockdown when people are at home and thinking of things to do has that had a big impact on your business? Yes, uh, quite significantly, actually. Um, so in March, when the lockdown was announced, uh, we grew the business, the sales, by 800% compared to, wow. the, <laughs> to, uh, to the year before, the same period um, as the year before. And actually, the, the sales are increasing. So uh, that's gone over 1,000%. Uh, in April and so I think that's just a validation of that that knitting is great well not just knitting but crafts in general because it's it's for all ages so not just the millennials who are constantly on their phones and their laptop and they want a break from that but also um, for families um, for the younger so the children um, who want to do something um, with their hands and feel accomplished with the project um, it helps with dexterity as well um, and then you've got the older generation who already know how to knit and they want to revisit um, it's almost like a nostalgic craft so they want to revisit that and um, I think it's it's super important during this time because I think I think we can all agree that being in lockdown there's sometimes a lack of structure in your day-to-day -day. and but buying having a project and knowing that oh I'm going to finish or I'm going to start this hat today or tomorrow and having that accomplishment from the start to end it's really powerful actually um, because it, it empowers you to accomplish something that's really meaningful and also we, we experience that a lot of the people buying on our website aren't just buying for themselves they're also gifting to the people that they can't see and so hopefully um with with all of the lockdown being you know in the past they'll be able to look back on this the memories of them knitting and it will be quite fond um memory for them so i think it's it's really special right now for crafting and and for people who are crafting during this time well, it's nice to know there's some good that's come from uh, the, the horrors of COVID. And, and so how, how are you finding supply? Because if your sales are up by a thousand percent, how are you both managing that? That's a challenge. You've got <laughs> a bigger kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
kitchen table. But saying that, um, when the lockdown was announced, we had some true challenges and fulfillment. Um, our warehouse, which is shared, um, had reduced its hours. And so we had reduced hours, reduced staff, um, and we had enormous amount of uh, orders. So we, we did all sorts. Uh, <laughs> we Ubered our staff in to ensure that they were safe and not taking public transport. Um, and we were, uh, well, we had the two meters. We went further than two meters rule actually in the warehouse. We actually designated only two people in a room um, in the warehouse to pack. And so that, I, I suppose, slowed down production. But I think um, our customers were quite, um, uh, sort of they, they understood um, that orders were going out a bit slower. Um, but then we also had some staff that were self-isolating at the very start and we were like, right, okay, well, we'll send them, <laughs> we'll also send them supplies um, to pack kits at home. So it was almost like do what you can, but in the most safest way. And we certainly abide by that. Um, and thankfully, we had enough stock uh, in the UK to fulfill the orders. It was purely operational. How do we get the orders as quick as possible, but as safe as possible? Um, but yeah. And can I ask each of you, what's, um, what's the best and the most challenging thing about setting up a business and working with your school friend? Jen, do you want to go first? Oh, the most challenging has been um, possibly hearing it was initially hearing everyone's feedback because um, as soon as you're starting up any type of business everyone would just say oh that's um, knitting that's very old and so that we they didn't really understand that we were going against this kind of um, stigma and so a lot of time the feedback that we were getting was the actual stigma and so it was us trying to trust well it's definitely for me trusting that we were trying to solve something and it was just moving forward. And so I think that was the most challenging at the time. Now the most challenging thing is to, um, is actually, is, I, love, I love this challenge, is actually guiding our, our team to, to grow and prosper and make sure that they are getting as much uh, growth as possible from us so that they can do their, their job well as well. And they're doing absolutely amazing right now. Um, and so we're, we're actually just enjoying that side. Um, in terms of working with Jennifer, I think <laughs> I would always describe it as as if it's like a marriage and we always joke about this um, from day one and the more that we work together the longer that we work together the more we, we realize that actually whatever you learn from your relationships whether where you learn from like romance or friends it all applies in terms of communication is key um, trust is key and in order to build them build the trust and the relationship much better is actually you need to break it apart and build it much stronger and so these have been quite challenging but they've been quite um quite rewarding as well and so i would say that would be for and me. what's been the best thing jen the best thing has been just seeing how stitch and story has just grown and is still growing and we've still got so much to do that it's just never ending and it's just I'm constantly learning and I'm just constantly trying to improve things. And it's just it's just seeing that just seeing it grow um, further and further. 
And how about for you, Jennifer? What, what's been the biggest challenge and um, uh, what's been the biggest highlight? So the biggest challenge for me is always communication. Um, because when you start as just two founders, you have the vision in your head, you have the plan in the head, and you, you operate in, in all sorts of functions. You, you are the marketing, you are the finance, you are the product dev, you're all these things. And the biggest challenge is when you're scaling a company and you're recruiting more people into your team, to ensure that they get um, what's in your head first, <laughs> but also ensuring that um, you, you, um, you're able to communicate well um, and so that there aren't any confusions and also that um, you're all on the same page. I think um, the, the, the growth that we're experiencing, that can always be a challenge. But then on the flip side of that, I think the best highlight is actually then seeing the team prosper, like Jen mentioned, because the greatest thing for me is that um, I have this vision of making crafting simple and sharing that with, with globally. And when you have a team that just as much passionately um, believes that mission and believes in knitting and the cause and, and all of that, it's, it's the best highlight because it's almost like you're seeing your baby, your business grow. And, and, and it's almost like running. It's almost like it goes through its phase <laughs> and uh, you can sort of, um, yeah, you can, uh, you can trust your team and um, ensure that they are just as passionate as you are. And, and let me take you both back to, to your school days where obviously uh, you knew each other as well. You were friends. Did, did, did you at that stage think that you'd set up a business of your own? What, what were your, your work aspirations when you were 15 and 16? Funny enough, actually, before Stitch and Sue, me and Jennifer um, interned at the same company. So I interned at this Korean startup um, beauty brand. And I remember telling Jennifer about it. And she was like, oh, oh, um, try and get me in as well. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued about this. And then so we both, um, we both came on without realising that actually we had, it actually allowed us to learn actually to see each other's work ethics from straight straight on and we both didn't realize that we had the same work ethics until maybe until we started Stitch and Story that then it was like oh this makes sense why we did the internship together we we understood how we worked we saw each other you know Jennifer was doing you was doing accounting was you doing accounting and marketing at that time yes. I think originally and I was on the design side and to be honest, it never sparked until we started retrospecting on the whole of our friendship and how it moved towards um, working together. And it's just amazing to actually see those um, pockets of seeds um, planting at such an early stage. For you, Jennifer, how, how did you feel when, when you were younger about work and what you were going to do? I, I think I always have or had an entrepreneurial spirit but um, I was really set on being in publishing <laughs> throughout uni and um, you know the, the career progression I thought oh I want to be an editor wouldn't that be great because it's so creative and I love words and and so I was just aiming for that and it wasn't until 
you actually get into the publishing workplace where you realize, oh, actually, it's not what it seems to be. <laughs> the creativity isn't just there. And, uh, and so it was really when I was um, in my daytime job after uni that I realized that I, yeah, I, I, I much prefer and I wanted to be my own boss and have those sort of creative problem solving. Um, so, yeah. Um, so ideas as well. And so I guess, I guess I've always been entrepreneurial, but it didn't come out until I experienced the, the employee life, I suppose. Okay. I mean, did, did you have um, an inspiration in your families? Were your families entrepreneurial or, or is this something that you have both sort of found and, and nurtured? Well, I had, um, my parents were, uh, self-employed so they had that kind of um, entrepreneur spirit of um, very sole trader very uh, we'll start building things up by ourselves and getting things together and then a lot of um, my aunts and uncles they also had their own businesses as well so it was um, around me but I think um, come from the generation that we are because um, I guess the previous generation was came, came over came over to this country and um, want to start up their own life uh, from fresh um, and so the advice that was given to us as younger children was go go get a degree and go and find a job and so I was on that path but something just didn't feel quite right and uh, as soon as I kind of moved over to the entrepreneur side it was like oh, there's that risk <laughs> you know but you've got a degree and you know you've got a stable job but it was um, it's about trusting what you really want to do and so everyone's path is quite different and it's just trusting that and um, and so yeah so you do have the inspiration but it's just making sure that you take that inspiration and um, tailoring it to yourself I would say. Jennifer? And just to add on that um, <laughs> well certainly my experience was when we started out and I was like oh we have a knitting business that we just started I think the response from everybody was like it was a bit woolly <laughs> pun intended but they they were like oh isn't that nice like oh <laughs> and they didn't really take me seriously um, but I think uh, at the time my my greatest like role model was my mother-in-law um so she she runs her own business she has a tuition company and uh she teaches uh, uh young children with their 11 plus um exams and and i just i remember that i had so many business related questions i didn't know who to go to and so she she was able to support me really well and sort of um not um sort of not uh, worry too much that where I was going but um, she answered all of my questions quite seriously and she took it seriously even though the business at the time the concept was a bit woolly <laughs> um, and so that really that really helped um, and then having a business degree also um, I took the inspiration from a lot of the courses that I was on um, particularly looking at sort of the, my dissertation around um, sort of the role models um, in, in business and how ethics and business can go coincide. Um, so that, that also really sort of helped as well. And, and let me ask you both about um, lockdown, which we're in now with the COVID pandemic. So what, what was your normal working day like pre-COVID? And tell me what it's like now, how it's changed. 
pre-covid it feels so far away doesn't it <laughs> no but um i think pre-covid it was we still had the same momentum to willis um and i remember we were we were actually preparing quite a lot for pre-covid um from december up until march when lockdown happened um but we were there was it was quite it was quite there was quite a lot going on there was the marketing there was still um, processes that were quite new we were we just um, had two new joiners around the end of the year as well so we were trying to get them up involved as well and and so we were still trying to manage and juggle everything and spinning lots of plates and if I fast forward to um, now COVID time actually that this period has made us actually sit down and actually understand what, what are the processes that we need to improve on and so we had to refine it in light of COVID, making sure that the communication was key. And then actually now it's improved the way that we communicate with the team, the way that things are delegated. And I would say that the process is much more refined and more in tune now. Um, and, and again, we've improved so much that it's actually been um, quite a positive step for us. And, and what about your working day? Obviously, you were going into an office. You weren't, weren't working from home. You were locked down. So, you know, what, what time did you start work and what time did you finish work? What's, the, what's a day look like for, for Jennifer and Jen, um, entrepreneurs? Round the clock. <laughs> I would say it's still very round the clock. Um, we would, before COVID, it was, we would get into the office around 8, 8 a.m. And sometimes we would leave around... 6 p.m. but later as well um but the team would leave about 6 p.m um me and jennifer we would stay behind and carry on working um and i would say it was a lot of time was actually commuting i remember spending an hour whole hour or jennifer was driving so she was actually taking maybe two hours driving because she would be stuck in traffic and <laughs> she would be like telling us oh I've been stuck in traffic for so long um and so and then you would actually carry on working well both me and Jennifer would be working um later on in the evening as well um for me now I realize that I actually work quite better in the daytime in the morning times as well so I now wake up quite early and I, I like the sunrise, I like the sun on me, and so I feel more productive. And so I actually uh, spend more time in the mornings and then I, I carry on, I get to my desk about 7.30 and then I carry on working, working till, till about 6 p.m.-ish and then have a break, have my dinner and then um, do some light admin towards the end of the day and then I start again. And then it's a nice routine to have you realize that you you need that structure you need some sort of structure and um and as long as you know what your strength is whether it's daytime or nighttime then um work with that work with that and then get as much productivity as you can and and jennifer obviously you've got a seven month old baby daughter but what what did your working uh, day look like pre and post lockdown yeah so my my structure has changed massively um so before lockdown i had childcare, <laughs> so i would drop my um, baby girl to my mum i would drive to hers and drop um, her off and then go straight to work 
And then I would pick her up back in the evening around six o'clock. Um, and I would usually have dinner at my mum's as well. Um, so since lockdown, um, I have to be honest, it's been, it's been hard um, juggling both uh, work, so work and personal life. Um, so at the start, um, it was very difficult to find a balance and sort of a, a routine because, well, she was very young, well, she still is very young. And um, I suppose the business then had to be centered around um, her, her routine, <laughs> which meant that I actually was, I was working um, much later. So I would be taking care of her during the day. And then it, my, my working day started at 7 p.m. When, when I put her to bed. <laughs> and then I would be up really late in the hours, <laughs> in early hours in the morning. Um, it has got a little bit better since. Um, we've got a, um, a bit better, um, so we've got a, a bit of a routine with my husband and I uh, sharing the, the sort of the day um, to care. Um, but it still means that a lot of the admin work, a lot of the stuff that I need to do with two hands, I cannot. So I can have Zoom, I can have Zoom calls and meetings on the phone um, holding her, but it just means that all of my ad work, admin work now shifts to uh, when she's in bed. <laughs> yeah. And so what would you say for you is the, the most positive thing that's come from being locked down? The most positive, of course, is that I get to spend time with my daughter <laughs> um, a lot more. And so that's, it's really nice because she's at a very uh, young age where she's, um, she's hitting all her baby milestones and having to be able to witness that firsthand is really special. Um, so to me, I know that um, I maybe seem like working around the clock, but it is just really worth it to to be able to spend that time with her. And also, the team has seen the team has seen more of Annabelle than my mum and, and my family has just because of all the Zoom calls. <laughs> She's much part of the meetings now. And is there anything that you'll both carry on doing uh, post lockdown that you've? discovered in lockdown is it is it going to change the way you work in any way yes i think so i think what we realized um during lockdown is how well we can work together remotely and so we will um definitely look into that in terms of how our, our working pattern looks like in the office um and also being able to conduct a lot of the work at home for me um, personally, um, I, I will probably reconsider how I handle childcare um, once lockdown is lifted. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, I don't think it'll be the same again, um, but it's still uncertain. We're still uncertain of what that, what that structure and that routine looks like. And for you, Jen? Yeah, so I absolutely think that this is, um, there's a lot of lesson learned um, from the COVID period. Um, I think it's it's just knowing what everyone's routine is and their communication style as well. And I think Zoom calls are really great and just being able to collaborate from a remote perspective has been really good. Um, you know, the products that they were able to use like Sana and Slack, it's just been it's just been great to to see to see all of that. Um, possible as well 
Um, but yeah, I think uh, particularly for me, as I've mentioned, that I do wake up early and I find that I'm very productive in the morning. So I'm definitely keeping that routine. Um, and just because I, I get so much done um, in the short amount of space of time. And talking to you both, you both seem incredibly happy at work. Uh, you're both very positive about uh, what you're doing and the good that it's doing. And Jen, I know that you've taken the Workplace Happiness Survey. Um, what did you score? I actually scored 96%. So um, I do feel very, uh, very, very happy and that it definitely reflects the way I feel. Um, mainly because I guess us being founders, us setting it up, it is exactly how we want it to be. Um, we're, we're happy to shift and change, but it's improved so much that I feel that it's everything's in within our control of how we want it to be how we want them how, how it improves us and also how it improves our team as well so it's definitely uh, it's definitely great and um uh jennifer um how about you how happy do you feel at work uh, i feel really happy um mostly because as a business owner and as founders we we are the team culture <laughs> we set that um we we navigate what the business should look like and how our team and and we do all of that so i think by by instilling those values right from the get-go and instilling that into you know our customer service and all of our stakeholders but also internally and in how we are um working and operating as a team to me that is the best thing and that makes me really happy that the the, the culture and and the how we work and how we operate as a business function that the values are permeate through to our teams and and beyond i think that makes me really happy so the good news is if you scored 96 uh, percent uh you're going to find that stitch and story are right at the top of the uh the league table on the engaging works on the happiest places to work which is which is great. Now, um, I, because there are people who will be listening to this, who will be inspired by you both setting up this now global business, um, what, what advice would you give to any would-be entrepreneur? What, what tips would you give them now to take away? Uh, my tip would be to be brave and um, don't, don't worry too much about perfecting a business plan and perfecting a model. Just go there, go to market with the, the, the a viable business solution and solve that. And, and then the other things will fall in place because a lot of us um, have that fear and, and imposter syndrome, I guess, of not knowing what to do, where to start, where to go. Um, but if you take the small steps and, and ensure that your vision and the goal and what you're trying to solve is concrete, everything else will fall in place. And there will be mistakes made, um, but that is the nature of learning and the best um, opportunities for the business to grow is to be able to react to those um, problems and, and, and find those solutions. So I think the key, so the key advice for me is to be brave and now's the best time to start in terms of well there, there will always be risks but equally there will always be opportunities great and jen for me it would be 
listening to feedback and the feedback can be from your friends and family um, and just navigating through that feedback so that it suits you. So don't take all it all on board, but just filter the ones that you need. And that kind of practice then can be applied to how your customers give you feedback, because then if you listen to your customers feedback, and you start improving the product um, or the business, however you want it, um, and shift and shape, shape it to the best it can be. And you just got to remember that the customer is the hero. And so we're constantly being guided by their journey. And so it's, it's almost like we're listening to their feedback, understanding what they need. And, um, and that is how you just improve your business. And, and the last question is this. If, um, if you could nominate one person to take the workplace happiness survey to see how happy they are, um, in their working life, who would you nominate? Probably my husband, <laughs> Simon. <laughs> I would probably nominate, um, I might nominate all of my team <laughs> and see what their perspective is as well. <laughs> okay, well, that's brilliant. So, um, thank you both ever so much for your time uh, this morning. Uh, what you've set up is is an absolute inspiration to uh, to have been best friends at school, to then have had uh, the thought that you would um, knit together and you'd build that into workshops and then you'd build it into kits, that you would then take that business from the UK, stock major retailers, then go to um, America and beyond, uh, set up a website. Uh, it's been uh, an amazing journey uh, and it's been a great journey to watch. So, Thank you very much for sharing uh, all of your experiences with our listeners. I'm sure they'll now rush out and order online from you. Um, uh, and I wish you every success in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank very you much. so much. Thank you for listening. And again, if you want to take control of your workplace happiness, go to engaging.works and take the free happiness survey. See you next time.